the title of my lesson today is when is the Sabbath it piggybacks off of are we allowed to say piggyback in church <laughs> piggybacks off of my new moon study earlier so those of you that were here for the Bible study you'll be one up on everybody else when is the Sabbath day I taught this lesson the first time back in 2011 to a home group in North Carolina I was asked to go and teach there and I was in the minority. There was probably about 30 or 40 people there and probably 90 plus percent were Saturday Sabbatarians and that's fine. I love my Saturday Sabbatarian brothers and sisters. Amen. I'm not one of those lunar Sabbatarian people that condemn different understandings and different ideas. I think far too often in the Torah community we condemn people that don't think exactly like we do and I don't think that's a good thing. I think we need to understand that people are at different levels and different stages of learning. Even myself, as I teach this lesson, I acknowledge I may not have all the wrinkles ironed out of the shirt. But I'm trying and I'm striving. So when is the Sabbath day? Well, some say, well, it's Saturday. Of course it's Saturday. Others say it's Sunday. Because since our Messiah died and resurrected on the first day of the week, the sanctity of the Sabbath changed from the seventh day to the first day of the week. That's been taught throughout history, even in the Protestant Reformation as far back. I started my Sabbath life back in 1997, where I had to go to my employers at the time, who were the owners of the Cross and the Crown Christian Bookstore in Conyers, and tell them that I would no longer be working on Saturday. They were real nice and real kind about it, but before I knew it, the whole church that I went to knew that uh, that I was going to keep Sabbath and all hell broke loose. Or maybe I should say all heaven broke loose. <laughs> Amen. I've been going to church my whole life on Sunday. That's all I've ever known. I never know a time that I wasn't in church. Mama said that I would sleep under the pew and she'd rock me. I'd be in diapers. We'd be in Canada at a tent meeting and I wouldn't even know what was going on. But that's all I've ever known. And we'd I always go to church on Sunday morning, get dressed up and go to church on Sunday morning. So I figured when I first read Exodus 28 through 11 about the Sabbath, I figured, well, the Sabbath must be on Saturday because the first day of the week is Sunday. That means the seventh day must be on Saturday. And so I did what I knew at the time. There was one time I was sitting at the kitchen table of a lady that I did some work for. And I can't remember how it got brought up, but the fourth commandment got brought up and she found out I was a Sabbath keeper. And I was glad that she found out because back then I was a lot more zealous than I am now. Not knocking zeal, but sometimes people that are zealous don't have a whole lot of knowledge. And uh, we need more wisdom and more understanding before we get zealous. We can hurt people with our zeal sometimes, amen? Well, she asked me a question I'd never been asked before. She said, how do you know that Saturday is the Sabbath? I've never been asked a question before, Brother Jerry. I didn't know the answer. So quickly, I looked over on her wall and I saw a wall calendar hanging up. And I said, well, see right there, Sunday's the first day of the week, Monday's the second day of the week on down, and Saturday's the seventh day of the week. And she said, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And I didn't show it on the outside, at least I don't think I did, but on the inside I went, because I didn't know what to say if she pushed me any further. Like if she were to say, well, how do you know that calendar there, that weekly cycle there was the same weekly cycle in Genesis? How do you know that calendar was the one that the ancient Hebrews went by? I wouldn't have a clue what to say. What if you read in Scripture that the Day of Atonement is on the tenth day of the seventh month? Leviticus 23, 26 through 32. 
and you went to the calendar that you knew and you started counting at January, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, that's the seventh month, July 1 through 10, July 10th, keeping Day of Atonement, July the 10th. Now, you would be keeping the tenth day of the seventh month, but is it the tenth day of the seventh month as specified in the Torah, in the Scriptures? That's the question. And herein lies the problem, I think, with people finding the seventh day. Saturday is indeed the seventh day of our current Gregorian week, but that does not mean automatically that it's the seventh day that the Bible speaks of. How do we know for sure that the day that we call Saturday is the same seventh day that Yahweh rested on in Genesis 2, 1 through 3. So I'm going to begin by sharing with you what I was first shared back in late 1999 when I got a phone call from my daddy-in-law, whom I love dearly. And he called me at work and he said, hurry home, don't get in too much of a hurry, don't hurt yourself. But he said, hurry home because I need you to help me see whether I'm being deceived or coming into some truth. And I got home and we stayed up to the wee hours of the night studying about the Sabbath. Three scriptures were given to me at the beginning. The first one is Genesis 1, 14 through 19, where it says, And the Almighty and God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And you continue to read, and this is two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, we all know that's the sun. The lesser light to rule the night, and we know that's the moon. Not just from Genesis, not just from common sense, but we know it from Jeremiah 31. We know it from Psalm, I think, 136, maybe, somewhere right in there. We also know it from the book of Sirach, chapter 43, verses 1 through 10. The sun rules the day, the moon rules the night. Notice that it says that these lights, let them be for signs and for seasons. That's the key word here that you need to know, seasons. If you're a Strong's Concordance person, that's number 4150 in Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. Singular is the Hebrew word moed, plural is moedim. Often translated seasons in the Bible, sometimes translated as feasts or appointed times in the Bible. Genesis 1, 14 through 19 establishes the calendar of Yahweh, Yahweh's method of timekeeping. It's not found here on the earth. It's not necessarily found in account, but it's found in the heavenly lights. You could cut the lights in the heavens off in time as we know it would cease to exist. Even the modern day Gregorian calendar, which is not the scriptural calendar, but even it is based off of the greater of the two lights, the sun. That's why we have our seasons pretty much fall at the same time period of the year. Spring, summer, fall, and winter, even according to Pope Gregory. So Genesis 1.14 is the key text here. The second text I was shown is Psalm 104.19, where it says that he, speaking of Yahweh, appointed Asa, the moon, for seasons. The sun knoweth is going down. The word seasons there, same word in Hebrew, Moedim. Translated seasons in Genesis 1.14, translated seasons in Psalm 104.19. So this gives us a little bit more information about the seasons in particular, the appointments that they're regulated by the moon, the great light, the lesser of the two great lights, but still a great light. Psalm 104, 19 is a key text. I already used the new moon for my feast days when somebody showed me Psalm 104. And I actually already celebrated the new moon as a holy day. So it helped me to see what I'm going to share with you in this lesson. 
third scripture that was shown to me was Leviticus 23, 1 through 3. And this one popped off the page at me because I'd read it many times, but I'd never understood what was told me. It says, And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, this is KJV, speaking to the children of Israel and saying to them concerning the feasts of Yahweh, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of Yahweh and all your dwellings. See those two words circled feasts there? That's the same Hebrew word as Genesis 1.14, seasons, and Psalm 104.19, seasons. So two different English translations, seasons and feasts, but one Hebrew word, moed or moedim, appointed times. What's interesting is Leviticus 23, 1-3 tells us that the first feast is the Sabbath. We don't normally think about it like that. Even me, after all these years, I don't normally think about keeping a feast day when I keep the Sabbath. But according to this text, it's the very first feast on the list. is the weekly Sabbath. Normally feast, I think, of Passover or Pentecost or Tabernacles. And those are pilgrim feasts, annual feasts, that's fine. New moon is a monthly feast, but we have a weekly feast. It's called Shabbat, rest day. The Sabbath. So the sun tells us when the Sabbath begins and ends by its setting and and rising and setting. The sun tells us when a long definition of day begins. The sun tells us when a short definition of day begins. Sunset and sunrise. So is it possible that the moon then tells us when the Sabbath is somehow? The sun doesn't tell us that one day from the next is any different. The sun doesn't change shapes. It just rises and sets according to Scripture. What's the moon for? Why are we moving to a different calendar to find the Sabbath? Why do we find all of Yahweh's appointments on His calendar? But then when it comes to the weekly Sabbath, we disregard that calendar, we go to another calendar, and we say we're going to keep the seventh day by this calendar. Why are we following two different calendars? Psalm 104 helps us to understand a specific aspect of Genesis 114. The moon is what signals... The Moedim or the feast or the seasons and the Sabbath is a feast or one of the Moedim. Now when somebody first shared this with me, I was blessed to already understand the sanctity of the new moon. I taught a lesson on the new moon earlier today in hopes of giving some people that haven't ever heard this that same foundation. This next piece of information should connect in your mind based on what we went over earlier. And I think it will connect in most people's minds even if you didn't. Hear what I said earlier. Ezekiel 46 verse 1 says, Thus saith the Lord God, Lord is Adonai, God there is all caps, Yahweh, saith Adonai, Yahweh, the gate of the inner court that looketh toward the east shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and in the day of the new moon it shall be opened. Now, when I first started keeping the new moons holy, I still observed Saturday Sabbath. So I would keep Sabbath on Saturday, and then maybe I'd go back to work on Sunday and Monday, and then a new moon would come in on Tuesday. So I'd keep the new moon holy on Tuesday, then I'd go back to work Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then I'd keep Sabbath again on Saturday. That's how I did when I first began to keep the new moon. I knew other believers... Back then, I didn't know nearly as many people back then as I know now in our Torah community as a whole. But I knew other believers who recognized the new moon, but they would just acknowledge it. Yeah, okay, it's a new moon. And then they just go about their day and treat it like 
It was just an ordinary day. They would treat it like it was one of the six work days. But according to this text, I didn't think that it was. The gate of the inner court that looks toward the east will be shut the six working days. But on the Sabbath, it was to be open. When I talked to Sabbatarians, I would ask them, I'd say, can the Sabbath ever fall on one of the six working days? And they would say, no, it's impossible. It's the Sabbath. It's separate from the six working days. But the new moon is mentioned in the same breath as the Sabbath here. Yahweh speaking. This is Torah, by the way. Ezekiel 46 1 is Torah. Yahweh's teachings and instructions. When I began to put the new moon in practice, I felt like I was getting more in sync with the Creator's ways. I was paying more attention to His lunar timepiece in the heavens. And I was excited because He was syncing me up and little did I know He was about to sync me even more up with His ways. And I was about to get even more strange. And and, and 20 years now have passed and I'm even more strange in people's eyes. I read this verse over and over and over and over again. And blinders begin to fall off of my eyes. Sometimes we read a text and we really can't even see what it says. Because we've been so conditioned to think in one way. And then all of a sudden we see a text for what it says and it's like, why didn't I see that before? I've read Ezekiel. I've read Luke. I've read Judges or whatever. How couldn't I see this before? All things in Yahweh's time. The new moon is separated here from the six work days in the same context as the weekly Sabbath. If the Sabbath can't fall on one of the six working days, and everybody agrees with that. According to this text, neither can the new moon. It's mentioned in the same breath as being separated from the six work days. It's also separated from the Sabbath here, by the way. The new moon is not the Sabbath. Some of our objectors think that we believe that and I say this and I say it gently I think it's because they haven't spent enough time talking to us or studying what we actually believe so the new moon is not the Sabbath it's the new moon but it's also not one of the six work days we've got three categories of days here new moon, Sabbaths and work days so after I looked at Genesis, Psalms, Leviticus and Ezekiel I started to see what was being shared to me I like to say all the squirrels started running at the same pace (laughs) And it was just, it was amazing because this brother was telling me that the new moon began the scriptural month. That was day one of the month. New moon is always the first day of the month, biblically. And it's not one of the six work days. So after the new moon, you work six days. You labor, you do all your work. And then you rest on the seventh day, Sabbath. And that happens four times in each month because four times seven is 28. And each month has either 29 or 30 days in it, lunar month. So you've got four weeks contained in each month. New moon day is one. Four times seven, four weeks is 28. One plus 28 is 29. That brings you pretty much back to another new moon. At least half of the year. Some months in the year you have 30 days. We won't get into that in this lesson. My first response was, but when I look at this calendar, the first Sabbath falls on day eight, not day seven. The Bible says the seventh day is the Sabbath. I didn't understand it then, even though I think it's quite simple, that day eight here stands for the eighth day of the month, not the eighth day of the week. The Sabbath is on the seventh day of the week, but it might fall on different days of the month. Notice the four weeks below the new moon day on the screen. Each week has a seventh day Sabbath that is prefixed by six working days. As a matter of fact, even Saturday Sabbatarians, when they keep their seventh day Sabbath on Saturday, 
it may fall on the 11th day of the moon or the 18th day of the moon. It doesn't negate the 7th day for them. Neither does it negate the 7th day for us because ours follows on the 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th. So here's where I began to notice more clearly what was constantly showing up in Scripture that I hadn't noticed before, that oftentimes when you see the word Sabbath or Sabbaths in the Bible, it's accompanied by new moons. We went over a lot of these, 2 Kings 4.23. Why are you going to go to the prophet today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. Isaiah 66, all flesh will worship before me from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another. We saw one in Ezekiel 46. The gates open, new moons and Sabbaths. And we also see this in the New Testament. I'll throw this in there for our New Testament Christians. Colossians 2.16, let no man judge you in respect of the feast, a new moon, or a Sabbath. Paul writing to the church there at Colossae, Amos 8.5, when will the new moon be gone and the Sabbath? It keeps coming up in the Bible. I never saw it before somebody showed it to me. But oh, I'm so thankful that they showed it to me. Never saw it. So, I was like a kid in a candy store. Let me tell you. You ever take a kid in a candy store and they're going everywhere and want everything? That's how I was when this was first shown to me. I remember laying in my bed at night and I'd meditate all on this 1999, the year 2000, right in there. And I soon realized as I started studying encyclopedias and dictionaries and going to the library here locally and sometimes up in Atlanta that the quarter phases of the moon were about seven days apart. Now, it's not exact. As a matter of fact, when you study Yahweh's calendar, nothing is 100% exact dovetail. I think it's because he wants us to take a leap of faith and trust him. If everything lined up precisely and exact, I think everybody would walk into it. Um, I think that was a, a problem in the Dead Sea Scroll community with their solar-only calendar. They were trying to make everything fit 100% exactly. And in doing so, they booted the moon out. A lot of the people in the Qumran community didn't use the moon for the calendar, and I think that's anti-scriptural. The moon phases, the major phases of the moon come at about 7.3 day intervals. Was Yahweh trying to teach me something through nature? You know, the Bible does say that nature teaches us things. Romans 1 talks about how that nature teaches us against practicing homosexuality. 1 Corinthians 11 says that nature teaches about a woman's hair being her glory, her long hair being her glory. Well, when I looked in nature in regards to calendar matters, I found out that the year that they taught us doesn't that begins in January, that's not biblical. The sap is down in the trees, no bees are buzzing, no flowers. January 1st, bam, happy new year. And then I found out that it was named after a pagan deity. Januarius had two faces. One clean shaven, one with a beard. One to take out the old year, one to bring in the new. Happy Janus, happy Januarius. I don't celebrate the pagan new year. I quit a long time ago. So they had the year wrong. Then they had the months wrong. The word month is actually related in English to the word moon. They both stem from the Greek word main. It's a lunar word in Greek. Uh, you've got pneumania, which means new moon in Greek, and then main, which basically is the whole lunar month in the Greek language. And the months are 29 or 30 days. They're not arbitrarily 31 or 30 days. Who gets to decide that? Do you know why some of the months, at least, some of the months have 31 days instead of 30? It's because those months are named after prestigious emperors, and they wanted their month that was named after them to have more days than the regular. 
So August has 31 days. July has 31 days. They're named after Julius Caesar or, or an Augustus, Caesar Augustus. And they wanted more prominence. We're going to put 31 days in our month. But that's just arbitrary. So they got the month wrong. They got the year wrong. They got the month wrong. And what about the day? They tell us the day begins at midnight. You imagine me and Brother Sandy were out camping. And it's the middle of the night. Clock strikes 12 midnight. I nudge Brother Sandy. He says, what, Matthew? Happy New Day. How do I know? What happened in nature for there to be a new day beginning? It's not right. In the Bible, the long definition of day begins at evening, at sunset. Leviticus 23.32, Exodus 12.18. We keep Sabbaths from evening to evening. The short definition of a day, the hot part, the light part, begins in the morning, when you wake up to when you go to bed. It's very easy to see. It's there in nature. So they got the day wrong. Why in the world, if I cannot find the year and the month and the day on the Gregorian calendar to be correct, what makes me think that the week is correct? Why would I switch from Yahweh's calendar that I've been going by for the year, the month, and the day and go to the Gregorian calendar for the week? Why would I do that? Next, I was shown Exodus 16 and the giving of the manna. In Exodus 16, 1 through 2, we read it. It says, They took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron in the wilderness. Now, I'm not going to get into the details here. You can read more in-depth studies that I've written and, and, and even taught on video. But in the Hebrew text here of Exodus and even in the Greek Septuagint, it associates the 15th day of the month with the murmuring, the grumbling of the Israelites, not with their traveling. It has to do with punctuation. The KJV kind of sounds like they traveled in on the 15th, but the Hebrew text and some English translations link the... 15th with their murmuring. So they begin to murmur on the 15th day of the month or 15th day of the moon. It's fine if you say it that way. Now, specific days of the month are usually not mentioned in the Pentateuch in the first five books of Scripture unless there's something significant that's taking place about that day of the month. I personally don't think that it's a coincidence that the 15th day of the moon is mentioned in a chapter that's specifically about Shabbat. Now, when you continue to read this chapter, and you can do so in your study time, once again, this is a brief overview of lunar Sabbatarianism today, not, not a detailed study. When you read Exodus 16, you'll see that here on this day, they were promised manna for six days beginning the next morning. Here's the count for the first days of the giving of the manna. First day of the manna would fall on the morning of the 16th, second day 17th, third day 18th, on down to the sixth day on the 21st. And that makes the Sabbath day fall on the 22nd day of the moon. If you count forwards, the Sabbath fell on the 29th day of the moon. Backwards, it fell on the 15th and the 8th day of the moon. And in this scenario, the new moon doesn't have to be counted as one of the six working days. And this isn't a feast month. This is the second month of the year when you don't normally have an annual feast. I understand sometimes people can keep the second Passover, Pesach, Shani, but it's not what's supposed to take place. You're supposed to keep the first Passover. The second one is an exception. So the second month is not a commanded feast month. And here we have the Sabbath fall on designated days of the moon. The next thing I was shown was Numbers 29, 12 through 38. Now that's a long text. We're not going to read the whole text. 
I thought I wasn't going to make it last week when I read number seven. Anybody was here for that reading of number seven? When every tribe with the gold and the shekels and all that, McCord texted me that night and he said, how many, how much gold did that tribe bring again, Brother Matthew? <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to make it. I love all of Yahweh's word. It's in there for a reason. This is a long text. But this text lists all the offerings during Sukkot, during the Feast of Tabernacles, from the 15th day of the moon to the 22nd day of the moon, what Scripture also calls the first day and the eighth day. It lists all of the offerings. In the listing of these days, Yahweh goes through days 1 through 8, listing the offerings, but He only gives two times of holy convocation in which you do no work. And that's on day 1 and on day 8. There's no other holy convocation command in between those two high days. So days 1 and 8, which are day 15 and 22 of the month, are the Sabbaths, and there's no Sabbaths on days 16 through 21. And this isn't a commandment just for one year. This is for every single year that you come across. And that's impossible if you have a Saturday Sabbath floating in that feast. Now, by this time, when I was shown these scriptures in the exact same way and uh, position as I'm showing them to you right now, this was remember this was back in 1999. I was a well of a lot younger. My head was spinning. Maybe yours is spinning right now. <laughs> it's okay though. You do not have to understand all of this today. You don't even have to understand all of this to be forgiven of your sins. This is something that comes about as a process of sanctification. We learn and we grow as Yahweh teaches us. So this isn't, uh, I'm not teaching a salvation message today. I'm teaching a sanctification message. Sometimes when we come out of confusion, it's confusing. <laughs> so if your head's spinning, it's okay. Switching your paradigm is a big task. I'd been taught my entire life that the count for the Sabbath started in Genesis and it never was interrupted. It just had a starting point and it just went in a straight line. And it never interrupted, never paused. That's one paradigm that I grew up with, a lot of people have. And I was changing that paradigm. Well, it dawned on me that there was another count to seven in the Bible that actually did have a pause. And that was the sabbatical year. You can read about it in Leviticus 25 where it teaches that the Israelites, when they came into the land, they were to plant, sow their land for six years. And then they were to rest it on the seventh year. And they were to do that seven times, which equaled 49 years. And then after year 49, they had a 50th year, a Yovel. We call it the year of Jubilee. And they were again to not plant, but to let the land rest. So it was a back-to-back Sabbath year. And that count to seven stopped at the Yovel. You had two Sabbaths, 49 and 50, and then you started back counting on the next year. If you start counting for your next sabbatical on year 50, you're not planting on year 50. It doesn't make sense. You only plant for five years. So you pause the count to seven that you've done seven times for 49 years. You stop it. You have a back-to-back Shabbat, 49 and 50th year, and then you start back and you start back planting. So I thought, well, a pause or a stop in the count doesn't negate the seventh year Sabbath. So would a pause or a stop in the weekly count negate the seventh day Sabbath? One of the first objections that I heard to this understanding of the lunar-based Sabbath was Genesis 1-2, through where we do find the count of six days and rest the seventh day. It's repeated in the fourth commandment. As a matter of fact, that's the reason Yahweh says 
keep my Sabbath because I worked on heaven and earth for six days and rest of the seventh day. So you are supposed to work for six days and rest the seventh. Once again, it's hard to let go of one paradigm in favor of another. But we've got to challenge how we think. We've got to make sure we align with the Bible. Sometimes we read concepts into the Bible that aren't there because we've been taught to think a certain way. Just like we, like I mentioned earlier, we read a text and we can't even see what it says because we've been taught to think that it says something different. So Yahweh has to open up our understanding. Is Genesis a problem? Well, only if you leave off Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, Bereshith or Reshith. In the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. I think that's a blanket statement describing a period prior to day one where Yahweh worked or advanced upon the creation. I'm not the only one to make a distinction here. There are scholars in Christianity that study what's called the ancient Near Eastern context of the Old Testament. They see Genesis 1 as Yahweh making order out of chaos, and they see a difference between the words create and make, which is bara and asa. So it's not like Brother Matthew's the only one on the earth that makes that distinction. There are scholars that would agree with the distinction that I make here. But there are also scholars that don't. So, you know, you can read both of them. The words in the beginning in Genesis 1-1, I came to see that they correlate with Numbers 10-10 and Numbers 28-11, where it says, in the beginnings of your months. As a matter of fact, in the Numbers text, the Hebrew word, I think, is Rosh, but they're related. Reshith in Genesis 1-1 and Rosh are related. As a matter of fact, I think if you look up Reshith, it will refer you back to Rosh. They mean like chief, head, first, beginning is a good translation. So I'm suggesting that Genesis 1-1 is the head of the very first month of time. It's the first day of the year. It's the beginning of the year. It's the beginning of the month. Yahweh began everything in sync. So Yahweh created the heavens and the earth from scratch, bara, and then He made or advanced upon His creation for six days. You know the Bible never says that Yahweh created the heavens and the earth in six days. It never says that. I used to think that it did. It does say He made them, asa, advanced upon, to take material that is there and work on it. That's asa. So it's the seventh day of the week in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, but it's actually the eighth space of time or eighth day from in the beginning. Then, this is what was really fascinating to me. I've taught sermons on this. I came to understand what Yom Teruah actually signified. Now, we celebrate Yom Teruah here. Yom Teruah means day of shoutings or joyful noise, commonly called day of trumpets in Messianic faith. But it's actually technically not trumpets. It's just it's joyful noise. Teruah. You can teruah with a trumpet, but you can teruah by clapping or by shouting or rejoicing, playing the drums, playing the guitar. And it says in Leviticus 23 that the seventh new moon, the new moon in the seventh month, is a memorial of teruah. It's a memorial of joyful noise. So when we keep the seventh new moon and we shout and we trump, we're memorializing something. And I found out as I continued to study the Bible and also commentaries and, and dictionaries that it was actually a memorial of when the sons of Elohim shouted or trumped for joy 
when Yahweh laid the foundations of the earth. Job 38, 1-7 talks about this. And we memorialize it when? On the seventh new moon. Why do we memorialize it on the new moon if it didn't take place on the new moon? Just like, why do we memorialize the leaving of Egypt on the 15th day of the moon if it didn't take place on the 15th day of the moon? You see what I'm saying? We memorialize things how they originated. So I saw this. Later on in my studies, I saw where Yahweh spoke of the heavens as part of His tabernacle. Psalm 19, 1-6. You can look at that. He calls the heavens His tabernacle or His tent. And then I realized that Yahweh, when He set up His earthly tabernacle through prophet Moshe, He told Moshe to set it up on the new moon. On the first day of the first month of the year. And that Hebrew says that the earthly is patterned after the heavenly. So if he had Moshe set up the earthly tabernacle on the new moon, why wouldn't he set up his heavenly tabernacle on the new moon and go from there? Now this was so cool to me because now I could harmonize Genesis, all that Genesis says because it says the heavenly lights were for the calendar in Genesis 1, 14 through 19, but it also says the seventh day is the Sabbath. So I've got to find that seventh day somehow by the heavenly lights. I did find it by the sun when it began and ended, but I didn't find when it was by the moon. Thankfully, now I do. I see Yahweh creating the moon and the sun and the heavens all together in the beginning. I see day four as Yahweh appointing the moon and the sun and the stars for tasks. I saw He appointed them to do what they're designed to do. If you don't see it that way, some people think that the moon was created on day four. I don't, I don't think that that's the case. But if you do, it's okay. It can still align with lunar Sabbatarianism because Yahweh could make the moon in a four-day-old phase. Just like when He created Adam and Eve, He didn't create them as little babies with umbilical cords. <laughs> he created them as adults. They were in their prime, able to take care of themselves, even able to be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 1, 26-28. Then I learned how that the Israelites... This continued on. I learned how the Israelites could have marched around Jericho for seven straight days without marching on the weekly Sabbath. Now that, that's impossible if you have a one through seven count that never stops. They would have had to have marched. One of those days had to have been a Sabbath. But if they started their march on the new moon, then they could have ended their march on the seventh day, which would be preparation day to the weekly Shabbat in lunar Sabbatarianism. It's interesting that the book of Jasher mentioned twice in the Bible, Joshua 10, 13, and 2 Samuel 1, 18. In Jasher 88 and 14, it says that the Israelites began their march on the new moon. That aligns with what I've just presented. Now, some people argue that the Jasher that we have now is not the same Jasher mentioned about in Joshua and Samuel. It's arguable. I personally do not believe that it's inspired Scripture anyhow. I think it's just an old historical writing. I think it would be similar to somebody 200 years from now picking up something that I wrote. Something that I wrote would contain truth, but it would also contain falsehood. Anything that man writes has the possibility of containing truth and falsehood. This is how I see some of the extra biblical books, including the book of Jasher, which means the book of the upright. I do think that it's correct here, though, that March begin on the new moon. I think that's the best way to see the march around Jericho. And that aligns with no offensive tactics taking place on Sabbath. The march around Jericho was an offensive battle march. It wasn't defensive. Like in the book of Maccabees where the bad guys snuck up on the good guys and they overtook them on Shabbat and they weren't ready. And then 
the Israelites got together and said, look, if this happens again and they attack us on the Sabbath, we're going to defend ourselves. I think that's okay. I think self-defense is okay, even on Shabbat, but not offensive tactics. And so I think it lines up better this way. It's often said that lunar Sabbaths are incorrect because they do not align with the count to Pentecost. Well, that's a study in and of itself. I'm not going to tackle it all at one time right now. About ten years ago, I did a four-part sermon series about an hour apiece, so four hours of teaching <laughs> on Pentecost. But I just want to point out something about the beginning of the count right here. Some people say that the count to Pentecost begins on the morrow after the high Sabbath. That begins unleavened bread, Abib 15. The morrow would be Abib 16. This is how rabbinical Judaism begins their count even today. I have friends that are Messianic Hebrew roots. They follow this method of counting for Pentecost because it aligns with rabbinical Judaism. Philo understood it this way. Josephus understood it this way. Leviticus 23, verse 11 in the Septuagint translation of the Bible, which is probably Philo's Bible that he read, says to begin the count on the morrow after the first day. First day there in context is first day of the feast. So the count begins on Abib the 16th. However, however, as with all doctrines, there's different understandings. The Karaite Jews and most Messianic groups start their count to Pentecost on Sunday the Sunday that falls somewhere inside of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They get this from the Hebrew text of Leviticus 23, 11, and 15, where it says that the priest waves the sheaf and you start the count on the morrow after the Sabbath. They reason that Sabbath means weekly Sabbath, not the first day of unleavened bread like rabbinical Judaism teaches. So there's this huge debate about when to begin the count. And there's only one way to harmonize the two understandings. That is to realize that the 15th day of Abib is both the weekly Sabbath and the first day of unleavened bread. And the way that you do that is with lunar Sabbaths. We do not have to throw out the Hebrew Masoretic text. We do not have to throw out the Greek Septuagint. We can accept both and harmonize both with lunar Sabbatarianism. This also goes nicely with Deuteronomy 5's reason for Sabbath keeping. Now, I think I mentioned this last week. As TJ says, you've slept since then. I'll mention it again. Deuteronomy 5 gives us a different reason for Sabbath keeping than Exodus 20. Deuteronomy 5 doesn't say anything about Yahweh making the heavens and the earth and rest on the seventh day, so you do it. No. Deuteronomy 5.15 says, Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Yahweh, your mighty one, brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That is why Yahweh, your mighty one, has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, in context, this has to do with you didn't get the Sabbath when you were a slave in Egypt. So now, your manservants and maidservants, you make sure that they get to keep the Sabbath. That's what Yahweh's telling Israel. Well, he also tells them right here that the reason he commanded you to keep the Sabbath day is because Yahweh brought you out of Egypt. And I believe the understanding is it was Sabbath when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. That's why Yahweh commands them to keep the Sabbath day. What day did Yahweh deliver the Israelites from Egypt? Remember, it was Passover time, 14th day, moving into the 15th. Numbers 33.3 says the Israelites departed from Ramses on the 15th day of the month, which is a Sabbath. Even for traditional Saturday Sabbatarianism, it's a Sabbath. It's the first day of unleavened bread. Yahweh brought the Israelites out of Egypt on a Sabbath, even traditionally. I think lunar Sabbatarianism fits better because it's not just an annual Sabbath. It's a weekly Sabbath. 
And what's being talked about in Deuteronomy 5? The weekly Sabbath. He brought them out. Now, some people object and say, well, they have to travel on the Sabbath leaving Egypt. And I'm thinking, yeah, but if they didn't, they'd have to work. They got to be delivered. So that objection sounds to me like the Pharisee in Luke 13 where the woman was bent over for 18 years and Yeshua healed her on the Sabbath and the Pharisee said, no, 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 no. You've got six days to, to come and be healed, not on Shabbat. And Yeshua said, you guys loose your animals on Shabbat. You loose them and you take them down to the watering hole to water them. Shall not this lady, a daughter of Abraham, is not she more important than your goat or your cow? Should not she be loosed on the Sabbath day from her bondage? Satan had her bound for 18 years. I don't think there's a better day to be delivered from Egypt than Shabbat. And I think that's what Deuteronomy 5 is talking about. It's been said that the lunar-based Sabbath actually goes back to Babylon. And of course, when somebody who is Torah observant hears the word Babylon, they immediately put up a fence. But I want us to think a little bit. Let's be critical thinkers. Babylon is not always a bad word. First Peter 5.13 says, The church that is at Babylon elected together with you saluteth you, and so doth Marcus my son. There was a church at Babylon in the Newer Testament. Peter knew about it. I recently heard a well-known Torah teacher make this argument against Lunar Sabbath. He told us, me, you, anybody that keeps Lunar Sabbath, he said, you need to repent of practicing paganism because Lunar Sabbath is a pagan practice that comes out of Babylon. Babylon rested according to the phases of the moon. And what I found though in my studies is that Babylon not only had rest days according to the moon's phases, but they also kept lunar months and had a new moon celebration. And they also observed the new year beginning right around the new moon close to the spring equinox. So we're going to throw those out too. As a matter of fact, this is why the Bible, in the Bible, it can use the words Abib, which is a Hebrew word, and Nisan, which is a Babylonian month name. It can use them interchangeably because the Hebrew and the Babylonian calendar months aligned well, you see some of your Bible dictionaries it'll call the first month Nisan. It does this, in, I think, in the book of Esther. And maybe one more text as well. But they align. So we're going to throw out the beginning of the year and the beginning of the month and say that's Babylonian. Listen, why is there a similarity between the Hebrew and the Babylonian calendar? This is why. I, this is why I believe that it is. I believe it's because of Daniel. Daniel had great influence in Babylon. When you read the book of Daniel, Daniel had service from him to four different kings, the highest authority in the land. And you find statements in the book of Daniel to the effect of, we have seen what the mighty one of Daniel has done. And not just Daniel, but Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah, the three Hebrews that were thrown there into the fiery furnace, but came out unscathed. They had an effect too. We've seen what their mighty one can do. So we're going to serve the mighty one of Daniel. And I think Daniel taught them how to keep time. I think he taught their wise men the calendar. Out of all the calendars in Babylon, there were none of them, none of them that contained a perpetual seven-day cyclical Sabbath that had no interruption. There was no calendars found in Babylon in archaeology. That's what should be of a concern to people because if Daniel kept that kind of a Sabbath, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uninterrupted, not related to the moon's phases, 
Why did not that have any influence upon Babylon? Why can't we find any calendars in Babylon that talk about that Sabbath? I think that's the concern. I want to end by saying this. The first few years that I kept Lunar Sabbaths, I felt very isolated and alienated from pretty much everybody, including Sabbath keepers. I've been shunned a lot for this doctrine. And there's times in my past, faith life, that I've shunned other people for believing certain things. And I'm, I'm ashamed of that. I am. I do think that we have to draw a line in the sand on some things, but I think we draw too many lines that don't, shouldn't exist. So I've grown now, I've matured physically and spiritually, and I know what it feels like to be shunned, and so I don't shun anybody. Don't shun anybody. Try to be kind to everybody. And I try to be open and honest in discussion, but just try to be kind to everybody because it's, it's not a good feeling when somebody shuts you off like that. But I felt very alienated. We're already different. This makes you really different. So I wondered if maybe I was wrong and I should just switch back to Saturday because I'd have more fellowship and not be shunned as bad. Thankfully, I did not cave. And what it amounted to was I, I felt like I had to make the best choice that I could. I didn't say, listen, I have the truth 100% and I can't develop any more of my understanding, but what's the best choice? And I couldn't with a clear conscience step outside of the Bible and keep a Sabbath by a different calendar. For me, that's eating off of two tables. So I decided to stick with the lights in the heavens that Yahweh created for signs, for seasons, for days, and for years. There are other objections that you'll hear to this method of Sabbath keeping. And some of the things people say get pretty nasty on either side. Yeah, that's, that's not right. We shouldn't be that way. But don't let objections scare you because no matter what you end up believing or following, you will always, always, always have somebody that says, I object. <laughs> so don't let objections scare you just because they're objections. Remember the story that I told you at the beginning about the lady asking me, how did you know Saturday's the Sabbath? I got nervous because I was thinking she was going to ask me, how did I know the calendar was right? Well, I don't get nervous anymore when somebody asks me when the Sabbath is. Does it make me nervous? You know why? So I can tell you simply by using this right here. I don't have to go outside of the holy book that Yahweh gave to us as Hebrews or Hebrew Christians. I don't have to go outside of the book. Matter of fact, I want somebody to ask me, how do I know when the Sabbath is now? Because I take them to the Bible verses and show them all these things that I've told you tonight. I condense it down. I don't sit down with them for an hour. They can't handle it. They can't bear with it. But I take them. I don't have to step outside of the Bible. I told somebody recently, I keep the Sabbath day. They said, oh, you keep Saturday. I said, no, I don't keep Saturday. They said, Sunday? I said, no, I don't keep Sunday. They scratched their head. <laughs> I said, would you like to know how I observe Sabbath? Yes. Took about five minutes and explained it to them. Explained the moon as being a clock in the heavens that you can tell time by. When I got through with those five minutes, they looked at me and they said, that makes more sense than anything I've ever heard. Now, this person was not a religious person. Just a normal person. Worldly person. But it made more sense for them to keep time by the, by the heavenly lights. I think it makes the most sense as well. For something as important as the fourth commandment, we should not have to go outside of Holy Scripture for our foundation. But that's what you have to do with 
any other Sabbath. You got to go outside of the Bible, not to verify what you believe, but to start with what you believe. People quote to me, the seventh day is a Sabbath, the seventh day is a Sabbath, and I say, I agree with that. We can quote, 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 we can say that all night long, but you can't tie the knot by using the Bible that Saturday is that seventh day. You have to step outside of the Bible for your foundation. And then when you get that, you step back into the Bible and start back over. I can't do that with a clear conscience. I can't, I can't put myself in the position to where I will have to explain to the Creator, if me and Him had a talk, that I kept the Sabbath because the Jewish people did it this way or because that's what the calendar said on the wall. I, I can't do that and have a clear conscience. That's for Brother Matthew. That's for me. That's where I'm at. I can't do that. So at the end of my paper that I can text you a link to and you can read it digitally, I do list ten reference works at the end of it. These are from scholarly encyclopedias, dictionaries, and papers where people a lot smarter than me say the exact same thing that I've told you. I think most, if not all of them, don't keep Sabbath. Some of them don't even believe in a Creator. But they do their studies, they come to their conclusions, and I just put that kind of stuff in what I write a lot of times in my articles because I don't want people to think I'm just sitting at my desk making stuff up as I go and I'm the only one. So I love and appreciate everybody here and everyone who's been watching the live feed on Facebook, listening by telephone. Please know that if you disagree with me, I still love you. It doesn't change anything. I'm not trying to condemn anybody for where they are at in their walk. I'm just trying to encourage and educate people on an important scriptural topic. Do you love Yahweh? Do you love me? you got to love me to make it to the kingdom. <laughs>